Good morning. For those of you I haven't met, my name is Jasmine, and I'm so delighted to be with y'all this morning. As Phil said, today is Palm Sunday. This is a special time of the year when we get to reflect on the life and death of Jesus, and we get to reflect on the greatest comeback the world has ever seen. Jesus lived a big life. He's found all throughout the Bible. But did you know that out of all the mentions of Jesus in the Bible, there are only three moments when the Bible says Jesus weeps. The first is when Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. Jesus goes to the tomb where they've laid Lazarus' body, and he sees his sister weeping, and so Jesus also begins to weep, just like we weep when we lose people that we love. And it shows us something really important about Jesus. It shows us that Jesus weeps with us. Another moment when we see Jesus weep is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night before he's crucified. He prays to God to be spared from the very horrible death that he's about to experience. But then he ultimately resolves to let the Lord's will be done. We also weep when we're stressed. And this shows us that Jesus weeps like us. But the moment that I want us to focus on this morning is the one that we just heard read in Luke 19. This is when Jesus weeps after he's made his entry into Jerusalem, what's commonly known as the triumphal entry. And we see there that not only does Jesus weep with us and like us, but he weeps over us. So let's quickly pray and then we'll dive right into the message. God, we're gathered here in your name. You are the only one that could bring all of these people from different backgrounds and different places together, knowing we are facing so many different situations. But the thing we have in common this morning is that we believe, or we're at least curious enough to know that you have the answers. And so we've come to hear from you. I pray that you open our ears, bring this text to life. Holy Spirit, move, break out, electrify us, illuminate us, your word, that is. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Okay, we'll get comfy for a second because I want to tell you about a very weird, random Japanese sci-fi story called The Summer of 1993. The Summer of 1993 was actually written in the 60s, and it's the story of a robot named Astro Boy who witnesses the Vietnam War in 1969. And then he flies 24 years into the future to see how the world has turned out. Well, in the 24 years that pass, people have made lots of technological advancements, but right away, Astro Boy notices that the world is still broken. People actually aren't as advanced as they think they are. They still mistreat one another and robots in this case, and they haven't found a way to attain lasting peace. One day, Astro Boy stumbles upon a party, but unlike the parties of the past, there's no music being played out loud. In fact, all the music is being played 
inside of headphones. Everyone has on a set of headphones and they can all hear the same song and they're all bopping and dancing along. But Astro Boy isn't. An Astro Boy who already doesn't fit into this new world is pretty disillusioned by the whole thing. And that's pretty much where that chapter of the story ends. But the crazy part is that the story actually came true. In the early 90s, people started hosting what are now known as silent discos. It almost lined up to the year exactly. And in case you've never seen a silent disco or you don't know what I'm talking about, it's what I just described. No music being played out loud, but everyone can hear the same song on their headphones and everyone's bopping and dancing along. And if you don't have headphones, you just have to observe and you have a much different experience. Now with that in mind, I wanna look at our scripture for today. Hit me. Verse 37, it says, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. This is from the NIV, but in other versions, it talks about all the elaborate dancing and celebration that's happening. But notice what's happening with Jesus. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. As Jesus was making his way into Jerusalem, people were shouting and cheering and clapping and dancing. I want you to really picture what this is like. This is Jesus and his whole crew, okay? We got Peter, what up? We got Andrew, boom. We got Bartholomew. We got the Holy Spirit, Brrr. Started, started from the bottom, now we're here. The whole team is here, okay? This is an epic moment. And right here, Jesus delivers one of his most important statements. If you had only known on this day what would actually bring you peace. But no one hears a word he says because they're too focused on the celebration at hand. No one hears him mention peace because they are too caught up dancing to a song that only they can hear, unaware that the world is still broken. And Jesus is not dancing to this song. Jesus looks down at his people. He sees the city of Jerusalem before him, and he begins to weep. And he weeps because the world is still broken. He weeps for the lost. He weeps for the missed opportunity because people don't realize that God is in their midst. He weeps for the destruction that is to come. And my question for us this morning is, do we weep with Jesus? Do we weep with Jesus, and what I hope you walk away knowing this morning is that we need to weep with Jesus. And we need to be in sync with Jesus. 
so that we can be led by Jesus. Let me give you a little bit more background about what's happening here. So Jerusalem at this moment was filled with people that had traveled from all over to celebrate Passover. Passover is approaching. And not only that, people have been hearing about the miracles that Jesus is doing. So when they hear that he's on the way, they start running out to meet him. And Jesus, who up until this time has resisted being made king, is now arriving on a donkey during Passover, indicating that he is a king who brings peace, and he's come to serve the oppressed people. But these people have no interest in a Messiah that talks about peace. They don't want a Messiah that's focused on peace because they are very determined to have a war. And let me tell you something, there was no better time for a war to break out than Passover. Why? Because Passover is all about liberation, baby. Passover is all about remembering that the Jewish people had been freed from slavery, that God had brought them out of Egypt. And let me tell you something, they didn't always get it right, but one thing they believed, if God did it once, he's gonna do it again. He set us free. And one day he's gonna send a Messiah who's gonna set us free forever. And they are waiting. It's just a matter of time. So on one hand, you have Passover. It's this wonderful celebration of what God has done. But on the other hand, Passover is a time of sorrow. Because Passover is a reminder that the world is still broken. It's a very stark reminder that the Jewish people are still being oppressed. They've been oppressed and abused for thousands of years. They've gone through so many different oppressors. And now Rome is doing it again. And everywhere they look, they cannot escape the very obvious signs that Israel is yet again, once again, a slave. And every time they try to rise up, Rome makes sure they will never try it again. They crush their spirits. They meet them with horrific violence to make sure they don't make the attempt. So Passover, we got reflection, we got gratitude, but we also have anger. We have desperation from truly oppressed people who are crying out, God, save us. We can't live like this. And the city is a pressure cooker. And so they run out to meet Jesus because this could be the Messiah. And they are waving those palm branches, beating them in the air. And even that is not a coincidence. Last month, Marcy was here. She gave a great sermon. She talked about the Maccabean revolt. Judas Maccabeus, the Maccabees, uh, a, a small number of Jewish freedom fighters waged a war against their oppressors at that time. This is 200 years before the day we're currently talking about. And I was so glad that Marcy preached on that because it connects directly to what's happening today. There was a Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes, and the Jewish people nicknamed him the madman, which couldn't have been more accurate. 
this guy, for whatever reason, decided he was going to eradicate the Jewish people off the face of the earth. He said, I'm going to destroy their culture and their faith. We just, we don't need any of this. And so to do this, he started putting things into place to make it impossible for them to worship. First, he told them they couldn't observe the Sabbath. Then he told them they couldn't have circumcision. When things like that didn't work, he started insisting that they sacrifice their own children to pagan gods. And finally, he declared himself God manifest on earth. And he took a pig that had been dedicated to Zeus and he slaughtered it on the altar in their temple. You, you couldn't have done anything more blasphemous, more disgusting. And so uh, in response, the Maccabees uh, launched a, a, a revolt. They said, we're gonna have a revolution. And they won after about seven years or so. And at the very end, Judas Maccabeus went back to Jerusalem and he reclaimed the temple and they cleaned it. It was disgusting and filthy. They cleaned it up. They, they, they made it so that the people could come in and worship again. And everywhere that the Maccabee boys went, what were they doing? Waving palm branches. The palm branches are not just palm branches. The palm branches are the symbol. We're ready. We're going to fight back. One day we're going to fight back. So for 200 years, this has been the symbol. And now they're breaking it out again. So as Jesus is going by, this is, hey, we are with you. Let's go. We're going to fight back against Rome. We're starting the war. And there's Jesus on a donkey. <laughs> And he's ready to be crowned king, but not the king of war, the king of peace. He wants his people to experience true peace, peace with God, peace with one another, peace within themselves. He wants justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So God has come to his people, but despite all the prophecies in Isaiah and Malachi and Haggai and Zechariah 9.9, they still don't see it. They've had signs and wonders in the word and still they miss it because they have their hopes trained on revenge. You know, like James Brown, the big payback, revenge, hit me. Somebody should have jumped up. Thank you. I, that was my husband, but thank you. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, revenge, exactly. They, 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 they won a war. It's petty. They are made for the kingdom of God. They are the true children of God but they wanna settle for something so small. You mean to tell me you have Jesus? You mean to tell me you can have Jesus with you every single day and, and you, you, you still wanna focus on all of that stuff? It was never meant to be that way. 
It was never meant to be this way. And that makes Jesus weep. Have you ever seen the footage of those kids that live in the garbage dumps in India? Like the garbage mountains? They're massive. I see a couple of you nodding. They live in the garbage. They make their shelter in the garbage. They eat the garbage. They make toys out of the garbage. And you see it, and the first thought is no human being should be living this way. Like, this is not what God intended. This is not worthy of who he is. No one should be living this way. You see it when you go in the subway and you see people getting ready to shoot up where they're like rolling dirty tar like on the benches. You were never meant to be living this way. You were never meant to be a drug addict shooting up in the subway. Sex trafficking, cancer, Dead migrants, poverty, poverty in Mississippi that's even worse because of tornadoes, children in Nashville going to school and being murdered in their classrooms. God, save us. We can't live like this. And so he weeps. He weeps with us and he weeps like us and he weeps over this destruction before us. Listen to this from Christianity Today. Hit me. Jesus weeps because we have forgotten that the world is both the object of God's affection and it's a place in rebellion against its creator. We grant exceptions to the love command, so many that now it's almost empty of meaning. We hoard God's grace for ourselves and we refuse to give it to other people. All of us are shouting about Jesus, but not paying attention to his own words and actions. Do we weep with Jesus and do we see just how badly we need Jesus in our midst right now? We don't need another president or a conqueror. We need Jesus. We need his heart because there are too many lonely, vulnerable sheep right outside this door, in your neighborhood, all across this country. Lonely, vulnerable sheep who have headphones on because life is hard. And they don't realize that there is a wolf sneaking up behind them with every intention to steal, kill, and destroy their lives. 
This is all the more reason for us to desire to be in sync with Jesus, to not only be moved by his tears, but to listen to his words. Because he knows the things that actually lead to peace. And if we follow him, if we get in sync with him, we can have real peace. We get in sync with Jesus by spending time with him, by abiding with him, by remaining close to him. If you want to know what I'm thinking and where I'm going, we got to spend time together. And it's the same thing with Jesus. When we spend time in his word and we, we're, we're praying, we're praying at night, we're praying before we go to bed, we can be aligned with his heart. And that is super important because if we're aligned with him, then unlike the people in, in this crowd, we won't miss what he's doing. What leads to peace, Jesus? Tell us what leads to peace. Well, he does. The mystery made known, he does. When this day ends, Jesus goes to bed. And then he gets up the next morning and he spends the rest of the week showing us the way to peace. And that's how you know he's a true leader. A true leader does not scoff at people that need help. A true leader is not snarky. A true leader sees that you need help and then gets in there with you and shows you how to get it done. And that's what Jesus spent the rest of Holy Week doing. And we ought not to skip over what he showed us and what he taught us about peace. In the days that followed, here are just some of the things that he did. Number one, he prayed. He spent a lot of time praying. He prayed on his own, but he also prayed with other people, praying for God's will to be done. Number two, he visited the temple. Do we cherish our temple? We're so blessed to be able to come together in the temple and worship God. Jesus cherished the temple. And he went there and he rid it of pagan worship and false idols so that God's voice and God's word would be exalted once again. Number three, Jesus served others. Can't just be about me. Can't just be about you. We're about to reignite our service opportunities this month. Let's go. A lot of brokenness out there. We got to get out there. We got to get out there. Who's going to do it? We got to do it. And number four, Jesus surrendered. He gave up his life. He could have done it his way, but he chose to do it God's way. And that, my friends, is the beginning and the end to peace. Sometimes surrendering your life and giving it all up to God is going to be challenging and hard. Sometimes that road is going to look confusing. But when we are in sync with Jesus, the way that Jesus was in sync with God, that, that path is always going to lead us to peace. So we need to weep with Jesus so we can be in sync with Jesus and therefore be led by Jesus. All of us 
all of everybody deep down longs for a Messiah. Everybody longs for a Messiah. Most healthy people recognize that there's a brokenness within us. We have issues. We have issues. I have issues. There are problems that we are not quite able to fix with money or entertainment, but we try. Oh, we try. I read this quote. It says, we train our messianic longings on politicians, athletes, and billionaires. And let me just say more recently, I think we're starting to train our messianic hopes on artificial intelligence. But that is a sermon, a rant, and a warning for another day. <laughs> but deep down, we want a Messiah because ultimately we want the divine and the supernatural because we all know there's no set of laws that's gonna fix this. And so Jesus came and he delivered to us all of our hopes, all of our answers wrapped up in one person. And we missed it. Every prophecy was fulfilled. Everything they said was gonna happen, happened. Every type of healing that we needed to see was possible. He did it. But we missed it. But thank God for grace. Thank God for undeserved favor. Thank God for second and third and fourth and fifth chances. Because now that we know what leads to true peace, who leads to true peace, we get to bow and surrender and be led by Jesus. Jesus, the one who weeps with us and like us and over us and ultimately gave his all to secure our peace. Let me tell you something. Jesus came on time. He died on time. He was buried on time. He rose on time. And he is coming back on time. You can bet on that. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the bread, the light, the door, the shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, and the vine. He is the word made flesh. He is the fulfillment of all God's promises, and he is the only, the one, the true, and the wise king. May you spend this week leading up to Easter knowing, believing, and living all of that out. Let's pray. Mm. Holy Spirit, 
do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we praise you for giving us yet another glimpse into who you are. Your kindness, your patience, how gracious you are, how you long to be with us. I pray that that would deeply impact us and stay with us throughout this next week. Jesus, as our attention is trained on you, I also pray that you open our ears. You say that your sheep know your voice. Help us to hear your voice and to follow in your ways, to be true peacemakers. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. And it is in your name that we will always pray. Amen.